I'm John Paul Deneen III with Deneen Farms in Waxahachie, Texas. You're listening to the latest news in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. Welcome to Texas Ag Today, a daily look at the latest news in Texas agriculture. Texas Ag Today is produced by the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network with the largest farm news team in the Lone Star State. Now here's the host of Texas Ag Today, Carrie Martin. Hello, Texas. Glad to be back with you for another edition of Texas Ag Today. Jump on in with me. Buckle up. Let's take a ride around the Lone Star State as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state in the nation, Texas agriculture. In the news today, the very first Texas wheat crop condition ratings are out for 2022. And boy, they are not pretty. Of course, that's probably no surprise if you're dealing with this winter drought we're currently in. We'll take a closer look at those wheat crop condition ratings coming up to kick off today's show. My name is Kerry Martin. I'm your host along with the largest and most experienced farm news team in the Lone Star State. And we're all standing by to bring you the latest news in Texas agriculture. From the piney woods of East Texas to the rocky ranges of the Trans-Pecos and from the panhandle down to the Rio Grande Valley. With our ever-present water challenges in the Texas High Plains, new approaches to irrigation are always of high interest. I'm James Hunt, and coming up on Texas Ag Today, we'll hear more about mobile drip irrigation. Range and pasture conditions are rated mostly poor across Texas as the drought intensifies this winter. I'm Tom Nicoletti, and I'll have that story on Texas Ag Today. Often there are non-traditional products that claim to improve forage production at a lower cost than traditional fertilizers. We will discuss a few things we should keep in mind when evaluating these products. I'm Dr. Vanessa Olson from Overton. We'll have those stories plus Texas wildlife news and a complete look at the markets all coming up. USDA released the first Texas wheat condition report for 2022, and it is not pretty. Only 7% of the wheat crop rated good, with 22% rated fair, and a whopping 71% of the Texas wheat crop rated poor to very poor. Doug Hemphill is a wheat grower in Lone, Texas. That's right in the center of the state. He says those ratings are exactly what he's seeing on his farm. Uh, I would say we're a fair to poor condition. Most of mine, I believe, is still in fair condition. Uh, some of it I see around is in poor condition. So uh, it's definitely below average. And it's all a result of no rainfall. Haven't really got much rain since we planted it in uh, the first part of November. Uh, we had some good rains prior to that, got off to decent little start, but uh, we're in dire need now. Wheat grower Doug Hemphill in McCulloch County. The fight against feral hogs in Texas continues. In an effort to cut back on the ever-growing feral hog population, two central Texas counties will soon begin offering a bounty on their tails. Starting in mid-February, Hayes and Caldwell counties will offer a $5 bounty for each feral hog tail or certified buying station receipt for feral hogs killed in those respective counties. The bounty is funded through grants from the counties and from Texas A&M Extension's Wildlife Services. 
There are an estimated 3 million feral hogs, or wild pigs, in Texas. They contaminate waterways, dig up fields and pastures, and are responsible for more than $500 million in damages each year. Participants in the bounty programs in Hayes and Caldwell counties must fill out a participation form and a W-9. Those forms, along with other details, are available on feralhogtaskforce.com. Simply click on your county name. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. This is a good time to be in the sheep business. Texas A&M livestock economist David Anderson says lamb prices have been extraordinary lately. Boy, the lamb side of things has been tremendous with prices, uh, really record high prices for lambs. Um, And You know, I think a a large part of that is due to we've had some declining production this year, particularly in that middle part early in the year where production was less than it was last year. We also had a pretty sharp decline in imported lamb early in the year uh, and had very low stocks, you know, that those cold storage stocks. So all of that led to some pretty tight supplies of lamb and some record high prices. Texas A&M livestock economist David Anderson. With the ever-present water challenges on the Texas High Plains, new approaches to irrigation are always welcome. James Hunt takes a look at mobile drip irrigation. Irrigation techniques and strategies are always a hot topic for farmers, and during some recent producer education events, what's called mobile drip irrigation has been a subject of discussion. Monty Teeter of the Kansas company known as Dragonline says mobile drip builds upon established approaches to irrigation. We've taken the technology of pivots for the last 45 or 50 years and from drip technology from the last 40 or 50 years and we've just combined them. So we have the efficiency of drip technology with the economics and flexibility of a center pivot. The mechanics of mobile drip involves attaching a drip tubing to a center pivot which then drags the tubing along, putting water directly onto the soil, not into the wind. We've patented a special structure that supports the manifold that the tubing attaches to, whether it's in 20-inch row spacing, 30s or 40s or 60s, and those tubings drag on the ground in those spacings. And in concept, and I guess this actually works uh, this way, that you water in a strip, you plant in a strip, you germinate your seed in a strip, and then through a new technology we've developed we call the winch system, you can actually winch that manifold either right or left and so that you can precisely water on the surface where you want to. And Teeter says that precision can save a lot of water. On the average, most researchers will feel that we evaporate almost 50% of our water to the atmosphere using traditional sprinkler packages. So we say we'll guarantee that we'll save 20 to 50% of the water that you're currently using and we'll make use of that water, and we'll get that in the soil rather than evaporating it in the air. I talked with Monty Teeter of Dragon Line after his presentation at the recent Pioneer Crop Production Clinic in Dumas. I'm James Hunt on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. The drought is intensifying across Texas. Tom Nicoletti tells us that's causing some very poor range and pasture conditions. In the most recent United States Department of Agriculture's National Agricultural Statistics Service Texas Crop Progress and Livestock Condition Report, most of the state received from trace amounts to upwards of uh, two inches of precipitation during the third week of January. 
Areas in southeastern Texas and the upper coast receive the most moisture. Drought conditions range from none to exceptionally dry, with the northern and southern plains being the driest. We go to small grains where winter wheat is still in need of rain in most regions of Texas. Winter wheat emerged reached 90%. That is down two points from the previous year and the normal. Oats emerged reached 94%, down two points as well from the previous year and the normal level. On row crops, cotton harvest is complete in most areas of Texas with reports of good yields. Cotton harvested reached 95%, unchanged from the previous year and the normal level. Peanut harvest is done in areas of the lower Rio Grande Valley. On fruit, vegetables, and specialty crops, winter garden crops are doing well, such as spinach and cabbage, while all other fields are being prepared for future plantings. And livestock range and pasture conditions show that supplemental feeding continues across the state. The topsoil and subsoil conditions are very short due to the lack of moisture. Recent freezing that occurred across Texas has affected the pasture and range conditions. Moisture is still needed in many areas. Range and pasture conditions are rated mostly poor at 35% poor, 23% very poor. I'm Tom Nicoletti with the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. Non-traditional products that claim to improve forage production may or may not be helpful. Dr. Vanessa Olson says there are several things to watch out for when considering these products. Soil additives are different from traditional fertilizers and soil amendments in that they usually have little or no nutrient content. There is no requirement for these non-traditional products to have a guaranteed analysis label. Many of these products state on the label that they are not a substitute for a fertilizer program, but enhance the effectiveness of fertilizer normally applied. They are claimed to improve soil physical, chemical, and biological properties to improve nutrient and or water availability in the soil and increase crop nutrient uptake. Most traditional soil amendments and commercial fertilizers have been tested extensively through research trials to document both their benefits and limitations. The benefits from many of these non-traditional products have not been proven scientifically by independent research. Many marketers of these products will rely on testimonials with limited or no actual data toward performance. Another common theme is low cost and low application rates. Therefore, be very cautious before making a decision to use these products. The best advice that can be given to growers is to evaluate new products carefully and insist upon local or regional research data demonstrating product effectiveness and value. Since there are so many products on the market, it is difficult for extension personnel and university researchers to test all of these products. Nevertheless, extension agents and specialists may still be able to give you some information based on their experiences with similar products. Anytime we are making decisions about products or nutrients to add for forage production, we should always start with a soil test. Soil tests can be used to estimate the kinds and amounts of soil nutrients already available to plants. They also can be used as aids in determining fertilizer needs. This is Dr. Vanessa Olson with Texas A&M AgriLife Extension in Overton for Texas Ag Today. New research shows that small fish can tell us a lot about our water health and availability. I'm Jessica Dolmel, and I'll have that story coming up on Texas Ag Today. And there are multiple treatments for heartworms in dogs. 
Texas veterinarian Dr. Bob Judd has more on that coming up next, right here on Texas Ag Today. Need money for college? Between the state and county farm bureaus, more than $693,000 in scholarships is awarded to high school seniors, enrolled college students, and technical college students. You could be one of them. These scholarships and awards are another way Texas Farm Bureau invests in the future of Texas agriculture. Find out if you qualify on texasfarmbureau.org. That's texasfarmbureau.org. Hundreds of thousands of dollars in scholarships is waiting for you to apply. The application deadline is March 1st. We're keeping you informed on everything happening in Texas agriculture on Texas Ag Today. If your dog gets heartworms, there are multiple treatments you can try, but Dr. Bob Judd says none of those are more effective than an injectable treatment performed by your veterinarian. Heartworm disease is a major disease in Texas as it is transmitted by mosquitoes. The American Heartworm Society recommends treating with the injectable treatment provided by your veterinarian as this is the most effective option. There are multiple other options that have been used called slow-kill methods. These treatments are less expensive but are also less effective at killing the heartworms. However, a new protocol was presented about three years ago that promised to be less expensive and just about as effective. The protocol consisted of using Advantage Multi topically once a month at oral doxycycline for 30 days, and the combination was shown to be 95% effective at killing the parasites over a 10-month period. Some vets have even indicated that the heartworm tests have been negative in some cases at only six months. Since the injectable treatment requires about four months from start to finish, six months is still acceptable. Although this sounds pretty good, Dr. Andrew Moorhead from the University of Georgia indicated that only a single heartworm can cause inflammation, pulmonary artery damage, and blood clots in the lungs. In his study, three out of the eight dogs, which is 37%, had at least one worm remaining at 10 months. Also, some dogs with just one worm may be negative on the test, even if the parasite is still present, depending on the antigenicity of the worm. So it is likely that some of those dogs at six months that tested negative were not actually negative. The most common type of slow kill used is monthly heartworm preventative, which is ivermectin, and doxycycline. But this plan requires two years, in many cases, to kill the heartworms, which allows a lot of organ damage to occur. I'm Dr. Bob Judd on the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network. New research shows that small fish can tell us a lot about our water health and availability. Jessica Domel has more in today's Wildlife Report. Small fish species can play an important role in alerting humans to issues in water quality, the presence of contaminants, and water shortages. According to AgriLife Today, Dr. Joshua Perkin, a fish ecologist at Texas A&M University, has been studying how small fish species like shiners and minnows react to disruptions in water flow in creeks, streams, and rivers. Dr. Perkin said these fish species' sensitivity to changes in water conditions and their population's success or failure are good indicators of how groundwater depletion or drought are impacting the freshwater ecosystem. System. He said it is also a good prognosticator of how changes in freshwater could impact humans, much like how a canary alerts miners to low oxygen levels. 
When there's a water shortage for a season or for several, fish populations decline. When we receive rain and water levels rise again, fish populations grow again. When there's a drought, a new dam put in place, or changes in dams, water use, or increased land fragmentation, those changes can be seen in the population levels of small shiners. Dr. Perkins said we can use these signals to be more aware of water availability so that we can conserve it during times of plenty, which will be critical as the population around Texas rivers grows. He said modeling technology allows researchers to use historical and real-time data to provide scenarios regarding water flows, which can help guide policy related to water conservation and sustainability. He said these signals from minnows and shiners can help us in planning a response to future droughts. For the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network, I'm Jessica Domel. We saw mostly lower trade in our agricultural markets on Thursday. Cattle, cotton, and grains all finishing in the red. We'll take a close look at all the livestock, cotton, grain, energy, and financial markets coming up next. Keep it right here on Texas Ag Today. If you're a teacher, the Texas Farm Bureau is inviting you to join us for Ag Literacy Week coming up March 21st through the 25th in conjunction with National Ag Week. We want your help to inspire students to learn more accurate information about agriculture and connect it to what they're learning in the classroom. We're inviting kindergarten through fifth grade teachers across the state to join us in increasing agriculture literacy in the classroom by reading an educational accurate ag book called Full of Beans, Henry Ford Grows a Car. Here's how it works. Sign up by February 11th at texasfarmbureau.org. You'll receive your free book in the mail by March 18th. Read your book to your class during National Ag Week. Then submit a picture of you reading the book to your class on social media to be entered into a drawing for prizes. It's a free program for kindergarten through fifth grade teachers. Sign up now at texasfarmbureau.org. The sign-up deadline is February 11th. We're giving you the market information you need on Texas Ag Today. We saw a lot of lower prices in the agricultural markets on Thursday. We'll start out with the cattle market, as we always do. We were lower in both live and feeder cattle. February live cattle down 22 cents, 137.82. April feeders down 27, 141.62. June live cattle down 35 at 136.70. March feeder cattle dropped a dollar 30 to close at 159.50. April feeders down a dollar 10, 165.10. Cash fed cattle market this week seeing a range of 136 to 139 on a live basis. Most of those sales right in the middle at 137. Dressed sales up north mainly at 218. Boxed beef was lower Thursday. Choice down a dollar three, two eighty eight forty three. Select down thirty eight cents, two seventy nine thirty four. Now let's check the auction barns. We're walking the pens with Larry Marble. Benny Cox and crew sold sheep and goats in San Angelo on Tuesday. I talked to Benny the morning after the sale. Benny, how'd that thing fare? 
actually ended up with 4,900, which is a pretty good number, a little bit less than last week. You know, it's not that time of year to have these wool lambs. Heck, we didn't have enough of them to talk about. The slaughter lambs, these hair sheep type, they were kind of 5 to $10 higher. Slaughter ewes, I'd say they were probably about the same, 5 to 10 higher. The kid goats, 20 to $30 lower with some of these uh, lower quality goats. And, and we really didn't have a really top end, uh, the average or the percentage of those things. There wasn't many of those top end kid goats. Some of those that went to the feed pen, you know, were pretty nice. They were a good deal lower. I was talking to one of the buyers after the sale, and one of these guys, he said, you couldn't, you couldn't, you couldn't buy a goat last week. You were just going to try and buy them all, which that makes a lot of difference sometimes. Slaughter nannies, that deal's still good. 190 to 275, but mostly 240 to 250. Your slaughter billies from 220 all the way up to 285. The few wool feeder lamb types that we did sell, sell from 305 all the way up to 392 on some real lightweights. On the uh, slaughter lambs, they sell from 330 to 447. Every end of those from 260 to 402. On the slaughter use, <clears throat> 150 to 224, but mostly 190 to $2. Go to adding that up. You know, if you've got 150 pound use, you can bring up to as high as $300. You know, we couldn't hardly get a replacement sold for that. You know, definitely couldn't, you know, a year and a half ago. Uh, kid goats, 340 to 475, but mostly 380 to 430 with some some of these feeders selling all the way up to as high as 505. Uh, Benny Cox, how to get a hold of y'all? They can call me on my mobile. It's 325-234-4277. The office, same area code, 653-3371. Or they can always look at the web, which is producersandcargyle.com. All right, build a loop, make a hand, Benny Cox. I'll tell you next week. Neighbor, this is Larry Marble in San Angelo reporting for Texas Ag Today. Thanks, Larry. Back over to the futures market now. We're lean hogs. Close lower on Thursday. February hogs down a dollar eighty seven oh two. April hogs dropped a dollar seventy seven ninety four sixty seven. Class three milk was higher. January milk up seven cents at twenty thirty five a hundred weight. February milk up thirty three nineteen eighty four a hundred. The cotton market closed lower, a rising U.S. dollar keeping a lid on cotton prices. March cotton down 70 points, ending the day at 121.63. October cotton down 26, 105.65. December down 54 points, 98.83 cents. The corn market lower, March corn down one and three quarters, 625 and a quarter. New crop September corn down six. At 579 and a quarter. Another day of big losses in the wheat market. Back on Monday and Tuesday, a lot of speculators came into the market anticipating a Russian invasion of Ukraine. Well, that hasn't happened yet. So a lot of those longs are stepping out of the market, undoing those positions, and that's pushing the market sharply lower. July Kansas City wheat down 20 and a half, 797 a bushel. July Chicago wheat down 17 and a quarter, 773 and a half. In the energy markets, March natural gas up 35 cents, 438 March crude oil down 62 cents, 86.73 a barrel. The financial markets mixed Thursday afternoon. The Dow up 19 points, 34,187. The Nasdaq down 172 points at 13,370. The S&P down 20, 4,330. That wraps up our look at the markets, and that wraps up this edition of Texas Ag Today. I'm Kerry Martin. Hope to see you next time as we cover the most important industry in this greatest state on the planet, Texas agriculture. Thanks for listening to Texas Ag Today. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. 
For more Texas Ag news and information, check out our website at texasfarmbureau.org or tfbradio.com. Texas Ag Today is a production of the Texas Farm Bureau Radio Network.